You are listening to the Twibbly Podcast, or This Week Was Way Better Last Year. Comedy podcast looking back at This Week in History. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Podbean, or wherever you like to get your podcasts from. You can find us and or message us over on Facebook and Instagram using TWWWBLY. Welcome back to Twibbly, or This Week Was Way Better Last Year, as we like to call it. My name is Bill with one L. With me, he makes holes in teeth. <laughs> Mr. Jeff McLarge, huge. I do make holes in teeth. Hey, what's going on? Hi, everybody. What's going on? How are you? Oh, I'm all right, man. I'm all right. It's one of those things where it's such an honor to be a part of it. I'm you know, more than happy to do it. I love the, the, the guy uh, and the girl involved. But I'm in a wedding coming oh, up. You had to go rent a tuxedo? So today I had to go get fitted for my tux. That's a tough task. It's a long and arduous process. It's definitely a long and arduous process. And who would have thought that renting clothes would be a thing? Right? And, and what a racket, too. I, it's it's not cheap. Like, I, I, um, I, I stood up at my cousin's wedding, this, I don't know, four or five years ago. It may even have been this week. I can't remember if it, which week in August it was because I... I think I had heat stroke, but I, I was standing out in his backyard in a tuxedo that cost more than my car payment that I had for 24 hours, which appeared to be made out of 75 layers constructed entirely of recycled trash bag polyester. I know you're like wrapped up like a Tuscan oh, Raider. Yeah, it was. I, I couldn't have been any hotter if I was like in a personal greenhouse. So <laughs> I was just standing there listening to them do the do the vows and like I was getting bleary eyed and started to sway and mushrooms are growing out of the sleeves. Oh yeah. It was bad. It was bad. <laughs> it was very bad. Yeah. So. It was like, it was like almost $200 to rent this tuxedo. And I'm thinking to myself, the last time I bought a suit, I paid about $200. It's like, wow. Right. If it's, a, it should be like, just, just wear this, just wear a suit. Right. Yep. Everybody has to be the same thing. Like what are we a baseball team? It's a freaking wedding. I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe everybody go out and buy their own suit. Right. You know? How about that? You know, or, you know, cause you'd always end up with some twerp who'd show up in a tuxedo t-shirt and yeah. be like, <laughs> hey, yeah. Oh, jeez. Tuxedo t-shirts. Hey, get it guys. Yeah, uh, see what I did? Right? I saved all kinds of money. And that guy gets <laughs> hurled out into the street by the pastor or whoever's performing <laughs> the ceremony. Uh, another wedding I was in a couple of years ago, instead of renting the shoes, uh, we all just bought black vans. Oh, there you go. Because like they say in um, in the Shawshank Redemption, who really looks at your shoes anyway? Right. You know, unless you're, unless you're walking around wearing clown shoes. I mean, you got black shoes. I, you know? I felt like the shoes that they that, that I got with my rental tuxedo may as well have been clown shoes. They were <laughs> like, they, they felt like they were three and a half times as long as any other pair of shoes I've ever had. And that mm-hmm. could have been uh, a consequence of me being having a body temperature of about 125 degrees instead of 98.6. <laughs> but I tripped over everything. I tripped over things that didn't even exist, like flowers and blades of grass, but I tripped up and down the stairs. And it's <laughs> just because I wasn't used to the extra, like, seven inches of toe. 
Oh, what were they like? The cockroach think? killers? I don't. I yeah, they must have been. I, I was. I put them on. I was like, what am I supposed to do with these things? Ski? They got little horns on the heels. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible, terrible. So anyway, yes. So so good luck at the wedding, Bill. Have, Thank have you. a great time. Yeah. Hopefully, you won't have to stand outside. Yeah, the the wedding's actually in October. So. Oh well, there you go. A couple, another wedding I was in some years ago. Here's me, always a groomsman, never a groom. It was at a castle. We didn't have the red tuxedos. We had the clothes like made for us. It was all. They wanted us to look kind of like Renaissance kind of thing. Uh huh. So all the guys. Theme had wedding. The, yeah. So all the guys had these like big puffy shirts, and I ended up using the shirt whenever I worked at the Renaissance fair. So uh-huh. that worked. There you go. And all the girls had different colored dresses. They were like rainbow style, I guess. And then the ring bearer, the poor thing, was this little kid who had to be carried in a frog costume, right? (laughs) It's as funny as you're laughing at, yeah. I'm sorry. I can see it in my mind's eye. Right? And it was the middle of August. It was hotter than like hell's boiler room. It was outside, but it was still beaten down and the little kid is just like he looked like a turnip he was like beet red right (laughs) they're going through the thing as fast as they can so they can get this kid out of the costume before he explodes like a tick the poor thing if i ever get married again my theme for my wedding it's going to be a themed wedding bill Uh it'll be people who don't want to be in a wedding (laughs) so it'll just be wear whatever the hell you want or do the bare minimum like Look, I wore this polo shirt to work. It's fine. And I've got shorts. I'm showing so. up in my tuxedo t-shirt. Hey! Uh, yeah, hey, look at me. I don't want to be here. Neither does anybody else. So, perfect theme for a wedding. All right, so let's get this show on the road. So, this is the week beginning August the 17th. And I will start this week. August 17th, 1979. Monty Python's Life of Brian premieres at Ming's Chinese Theater in Los Angeles. Amazing. Uh, Astonishingly good, funny, funny, funny movie. One of the first films I ever rented on VHS that I can remember. Really? And I, yeah, and I I had seen it um, because it used to make the rounds on cable TV back in like 83 or 84. This is going uh, to shock you, and you're probably going to yell at me, but that is probably the only Monty Python movie that I haven't seen. It's, I'm not going to preach at you, huh? Uh, ah. But uh, you should watch it. It's incredibly funny. Yeah, that might have um, that might have changed by the time this episode airs. But yeah, I actually have not seen that movie. Absolutely. It's totally worth watching. Uh, it's 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 really one of the smartest, funniest comedies like ever ever done. Super funny. What I do remember is a lot of controversy and backlash from it from the uh, you know from the religious from the Catholic yep. Church specifically. Well, it was I guess it was more a problem among evangelicals here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. In the rest of the world, uh, it was like there are different towns in Wales and Ireland and stuff that would prohibited it from being shown up until the 2000s. Oh, wow. uh, it was banned for a year in Norway for fear that it would offend their Christian population. It was advertised in Sweden as the film so funny they banned it in Norway. Huh? Uh, yeah, yeah. And over the course of, of the year since then, a lot of the places that had a ban on this film for the content, the religious content, have lifted the ban. And it's it's been shown with some significant fanfare. A funny story that that one of the towns in Wales where there had been a ban since its release, they they lifted the ban to show the film in this town where the governor of the area in Wales where this was, or the mayor of the town was the woman who played Judith Iscariot in the movie. Oh, wow. Like, members of the Python t- crew went there, 
And then somebody had realized that the band was just discussed and never actually put into place. And there have been movie theaters in this town showing the movie a lot oh, wow. since the 1979. But <laughs> yeah, so it's a great film. It's it's really stands up to the to the test of time. And if you like political humor and and religious humor, it's it's super duper funny. You go back and even stuff as old as uh, as uh, Life of Brian or even the Flying Circus stuff, where the comedy doesn't really age. It's still right. funny. It's got this right. timeless hilarity to it. Right. And and it, it, it runs across all the boundaries. Like, you know, one of the fun things about Python is they can go from historical political satire like North Minehead by-election sketch where these two people on holiday realize they're staying in, a, in an English – in English, like a bed and breakfast, but also living there full time are a bunch of escaped Nazis. Yep. That's funny. And that one of the Nazis, Mr. Hilter, <laughs> is running for is running for the town council. All the way down to like goofy humor like uh, um the Queen Victoria handicap, which is a horse race, but it, it's everybody's dressed like Queen Victoria and there are no horses. So <laughs> like it's it, and Life of Brian sort of also plays on that spectrum too. So there's a lot of goofy visual humor, but there's some language humor and a lot of political humor and satire of like political movements and stuff. And it's really, really interesting. All right. August 18th, 1817. This is a long time ago, Bill. A huh. uh, 60 to 70 foot sea serpent sighting is reported offshore in Gloucester, Massachusetts. No, it wasn't. <laughs> well, I'm sure something was reported, but uh, it, it most likely was not a sea serpent. I don't know what you saw, but I know I know one thing: it wasn't a sea serpent. <laughs> it was not a sea serpent. Yeah. Uh -huh. I so. I have a uh, I have a thing with cryptozoology. It's like I think it's funny. I think it's interesting. I love the legends of it, like you know Bigfoot and uh, Nessie and and all and UFO sightings and all that stuff. I like the stories of it. But the people like that absolutely believe in it. I, I just want to like ding them in the head and ask them, "What the hell is wrong with you?" <laughs> Have you ever been to the International Cryptozoology Museum? Is that the one up in yeah. Maine? It is. I I have not, but I know somebody that did, and they were like, "Yeah, there wasn't really much to look at." I was like, "Cause there isn't anything. There's no evidence <laughs> for nothing." I I went there last year. Uh -huh. Um. And it's it, it's changed locations a couple of times, so I, I'm going to be poking fun at the location that it's in now. <laughs> uh, it occupies two whole hallways. Oh wow! In between a brewery and a taco place and another taco place that is not affiliated with the first taco place, through which you have to walk through a taco place to get to the entrance to the International Cryptozoology Museum. So your all of your impulse buying is taco related. When you go in there, there's a really great part right in the beginning. Right as you walk in. I don't really believe in tacos. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> Once you pay your 20 bucks, right, and you walk in, there's a there's a, a like a bookcase, and it's full of rediscovered animals, uh -huh. which is great. Like the coelacanth fish. There's some like rodents and deer from Vietnam and some other places where they where they have found them in the fossil record, assumed that they were extinct, or we thought that we had caused their extinction, but they were rediscovered in the wild on trail cams and whatever. Sure. These animals are all represented by the little plastic toy figures that you can buy at Tractor Supply <laughs> or other locations that sell little plastic animal toys. You're only literally six inches into the museum at this point. And, and that's where all of the scientific inquiry ends. <laughs> it's six, six inches into the museum, so about three quarters of the way through. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> right. Yes, yes. It's, this is, the, this is the, the science wing. It's six inches <laughs> deep. Then, then you go through and, and you go through like a litany of 
a litany of like crypto stuff and it's the bottom part is like sea serpents and mothman and the mermaids that are stitched together between like a half of a monkey and half of a fish uh and some other stuff and all that stuff is there that's one hallway it's big enough to walk down and then walk back up and you have to like wooji your way past other people who are walking down while you're walking out then you go upstairs and that's like with the bigfoot area the bigfoot area and the uh, abominable snowman area the yeti area Someone out there is the foremost expert yes. on Bigfoot. Yes. And actually, <laughs> it's the guy that owns this museum. His name is Lauren Coleman. Uh, mixed in with some of the Bigfoot stuff. There are some things about his expeditions to go hunt for cryptos, Bigfoot and other cryptids. But he focuses a lot of his attention on Bigfoot. So he's the guy. So. You know, what about my expedition to find Bigfoot? Actually, I had a road trip to Florida. But just like him, I didn't see Bigfoot. <laughs> So, so right, that's what should be a tax write-off then for scientific inquiry. But, like, upstairs, like, to give you an example of the way that they structure this so that they obfuscate facts with obvious garbage. So there's a, a case, and in the case there's, like, footprints, plaster footprints of the Yeti. I'm saying that while I'm making air quotes with my fingers. And then there's a picture of a guy with a one of the prints before it was cast in plaster measuring this footprint in the Himalayas against a pack of cigarettes or something to show the size of it. Again, it was like taken in like 1915 or something, right? And then there's, in yeah. the case, there's some white and yellowish sort of hair. And then there's the Bumble Snowman from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer action figure and the Wampa <laughs> from Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back and then a bunch of abominable snowman plastic toys. Like, so what the hell am I supposed to get from this? <laughs> I was hoping you were going to say the pack of cigarettes was in there. But that was like, and, and it's like that in all of them. The only place where there's any sort of moderate skepticism is 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 um that famous picture of the, the I forget the, it's the guy who took the picture, but it's like called like McDowell's ape. And it was an ape that was shot in Guatemala yeah. or something. And it's like, it's propped up, it's dead. And it's propped up on a stick and it's sitting on a case. And it, it makes it look like it's humongous. But the case is actually like a one foot cube. So it's not very big, but it looks very big because the case isn't very oh, big. Right. It just looks like a big case. And, and there's that, there's an, a thing about that there that's really good. And there's some, some other stuff like footprints and other things from Bigfoot sightings that are, that are interesting. But it, again, it's all mixed in with like pop culture stuff. So it's like, it's, it overloads your brain and makes it impossible for you to think critically about any of this stuff. Then I got a taco and a beer. And, <laughs> right. They should have a laundromat next to it too. All right, let's move on to the 19th. So August 19th, 1955, a radio station by the name of WINS, WINS. WINS 101. Uh, yep, in New York. See, at this time, like, radio stations are still segregated. Yep. Like, they wouldn't play black artists on white radio stations. It's yep. hard to believe that this, this country isn't far removed from just what is complete insanity. Right. But anyway, at that time, in, uh, on August 19, 1955, this radio station said that we're going to play the original records. So instead of getting Elvis Presley's Hound Dog, you got Big Mama Thornton's version of Hound Dog. And instead of... Pat Boone's Pat Boone's uh, ain't that ain't that a ain't shame. That shame yeah. You got Fats Domino, ain't that a shame. Yes. So I was posting a lot of that stuff on my personal uh, Facebook page um maybe about a month and a half ago. But you don't even realize that that these original songs existed because they were 
like I said, the, the radio stations are so segregated at that time. Yep. So, like, I didn't, you brought it up on, I think, last week's episode about Big Mama Thornton. I didn't even know that that version of Hound Dog even existed. Yep. And it's yep. awesome. It's, yeah, it's great. It's super it's bluesy and awesome. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then yeah, um, she's definitely got a, she's definitely got a voice on her. But there was so many like great artists that had all these like great songs, and you never got to hear them, which is such a shame. Thank God YouTube exists that you can because it would be a shame to lose these things, you know, forever. Yeah. Yep, absolutely true. One of the again, one of the great things is that you can go back down into this rabbit hole and find the origin of all this stuff. Like we, t- you know, we talk about radio being segregated the way that it was in the since radio sort of started until guys like Alan Freed, who was also a DJ at WYNS in 1955, right. started to sort of break those color barriers down. Is that it carried over like the first year of MTV? It was pretty much seg- segregated, right? Until Michael Jackson's "Beat It" came out. CBS Records say, "Hey, we want you to play uh, the uh, Michael Jackson videos," because Michael Jackson had an, uh, you know, an album before "Thriller." Yep. He had the Off the Wall album, but you never saw any of that stuff on MTV. And there were videos for some of those songs. Yeah, too. "Don't Stop Till You Get Enough" has a video. Yeah, yeah. yeah but MTV would MTV would not show black artists at the yeah. time, which is it's like I said, it's insanity, and it's only what forty years ago. And then CBS Records said, "Hey." we want you to show some Michael Jackson videos and MTV was like yeah we're not really going for that vibe and they're like well tell you what you either show our Michael Jackson videos or we're going to pull every single one of our artists off of your station and that was probably like a, th- a full third of their st- their, st- of their yeah, rotation yeah, clock exactly. at that point. And then what ended up happening, you know, 1983, Michael Jackson's Thriller owned the world. Like, good for you, CBS. Good for you. Definitely. And damn you, MTV. Damn you, straight to hell. MTV, get off the air <laughs> now. Whenever I see Gen X people posting on Facebook about millennials being too whiny, I'm like, oh, for Christ's sake, shut up. You're still not over the fact that MTV stopped showing music videos. Right. You're still complaining uh, about it. Let's move on to the 20th. 20th. All right, 2002. The uh, last Nintendo 64 game is released, and that game turns out to be Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3, a genre of games, and I like to play games, a genre of games that I have never, I've never enjoyed. Really? And I'll tell you why. One is because I don't have enough thumbs <laughs> to be able to execute a, a 900, which I remember from some conversation that we had had, mm-hmm. among other moves that require me to, to use the X button, the left joystick, the right bottom button on the front of the thing, and then the O button and the other joystick and the other buttons. Like, I don't have enough fingers. And two, I have a problem playing games that in my mind's eye are something that I could actually do in real life. In my mind's eye, I can get on a skateboard and learn to become somebody who rides a skateboard. Mm-hmm. And I, I've kind of done it. I'm terrible at it, but I've done it. And it's like, it hurt. And I smashed into the ground a lot. At that point, I was like, okay... So this is enough Tony Hawk's Pro Skater for me in real life. I don't care about the games anymore. If I really wanted to dedicate time to this, I could learn how to do it. And then I would go on to do something and play a game where I could be something where I wasn't. Like, a, I was a Sega guy, so I could be a talking fish <laughs> or a dolphin or possibly a guy who turns into a wolf or a Oh my bear, god, Altered Beast or... is the worst video game of all time. <laughs> I like Altered Beast. No, you don't. <laughs> Yes, I do. Yes. Uh, it came with the Sega Genesis. Yeah. It's one of the reasons I bought that. The reason, yeah, because they couldn't sell that piece of garbage. Let me just give you my opinion of, of skateboarding games. I had the, a demo disc because PlayStation used to sell the demo disc, you know? And I bought Tony Hawk's Pro Skater because I liked the demo so much. I, I bought it as soon as it came out. The first day I had it, no lie, I played it for eight hours straight, only breaking to go to the bathroom. Jeez. I found that game so addictive. All I'm going to say is, rise from your grave. (laughs) 
That game was good. All right. So let's move on to the 21st. August 21st, 1942, yep. Disney's Bambi is released. Yeah, based on the book by Felix Salton. That was based on a book? Uh, it was based on a book, yeah. There's, if, well, it falls into that weird category of like stories told from the point of view of animals like Black Beauty and Call of the Wild and White Fang and, and ultimately Bambi. Oh. Yes, eighty almost 80 years ago now and uh, has been traumatizing children since. <laughs> I saw that movie in the movies when I was four. Uh-huh. I didn't see it in 1942. It, that movie used to get re-released every summer. I saw Barry's mother get shot. Kids could go back to school <laughs> tugging on their ear. <laughs> right. I think parents used to use that as a, like, see? <laughs> you should be nice to me because you never know. Don't clean your room. No. Uh, uh, yeah, I uh, I actually don't recall ever seeing Bambi, the movie. I mean, I must have. I mean, it's, it's a thing. But I don't recall ever seeing it. I, the only question I've ever really had is, why do strippers always take the name Bambi when Bambi was a, was a buck? Uh, yeah, you know, I don't know. I figured that they would they would name themselves Thumper. Yeah, that was. <laughs> boom, boom, shh. We are all. We are all we, folks. <laughs> Don't forget to tip your waiter and uh, try the veal. Don't forget to tip Bambi or the venison. Yep. So, so it's good to know that Disney has continued the uh, the mother killing uh, <laughs> in many of their films since Bambi. So Bambi seriously set a precedent. So, like, if you watch Finding Nemo, mother killed. Yep. If you watch uh, Up, not a mother, but love interest killed. Yep. I don't remember anything in that movie after the first twenty minutes because all I did was cry you for the next two hours. It was just a blur because I was, was, it was a giant blur. Yeah, a blur right? because it was I was looking through tears. Right. All right. Beauty and the Beast. Where's Belle's mom? She's dead. And hi. Hey. Hey. Let's let's not forget that mother lemming. Right off the cliff. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. So hand thrown off. What the hell is wrong with you, Walt Disney? <laughs> what is your fucking problem? And and uh, what well, the Little Mermaid? She's got no yeah. mom. They're all dead. They're all dead. <laughs> even even the friggin' Lion and the Lion King doesn't have a mom. <laughs> Disney hates <Yeah>. mothers. <laughs> all right, so let's move on. August twenty yeah, second. So August twenty second. What do you got? August twenty second, two thousand four. The Athens Olympic Marathon is run on the same route as the eighteen ninety six Olympic Games, which also took place in Athens, starting at the site of the Battle of Marathon, which is where marathons get their name, uh, to the uh, Panathenic Stadium in Athens. A uh, woman named Mizuki Noguchi of Japan wins the women's gold in two hours, 26 minutes, and 20 seconds. Now, there's a whole bunch of stuff kind of going on in this in this factoid before the audience goes I insane. I am going to ask the question that everybody's been asking, and I know you have the answer because I was recording the pre-show. Why are marathons such a weird distance, 26.2 miles. Why is that? Okay, so it's so it's 26.2 miles from where the battle took place to the center of Athens, where the guy who was told to go and warn Athens that the Spartans uh, were losing and that the or that the Spartans were coming. Or the Sp- I can't remember if this is during the Peloponnesian Wars or during the war with Persia, so my history is a little muddled. But big battles taking place at Marathon. I think it's the Athen- Athenians were fighting Sparta. He sent to tell Athens to get ready to be sacked, runs his ass off all the way to the center of Athens, yells out, Athens is won, and drops dead. 26.2 miles. So now we celebrate that all over the country and the world by having 26.2 mile races where nobody expected to drop dead at the end. No, but there's lots of people with like horrifically bleeding nipples and crapping their pants as they cross the finish line. Yes. That's how we celebrate. I have friends that run marathons all the time and and just thrive on it. And, you know, they train for it all year and they run. They'll run marathons to run marathons, which is crazy. Again, a marathon is 26.2 miles. And if you look at the, the woman's gold time, it's... 
2 hours, 26 minutes, and 20 seconds. So there's 26.2 a couple of different times just in that number set. Crypto numerology. I'm sure it means something. (laughs) This means something. The comedian, Eddie Izzard, he started a program where he ran something like 43 marathons in 51 days with almost no training. He started to run, I guess what he said was six weeks or so before the first marathon and just ran one after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other. Have you ever heard of that comedian, Michelle Wolf? You know who that is? She did the uh, the correspondence dinner. The correspondence dinner, yes. She is insane. She does super marathons. Yeah, she does like instead of 26.2 miles, it's like 50 miles. That's cuckoo. I got a... I got stuff to do. I can't be running 50 miles. Uh, it's, that's a, it's I did insane. 50 miles on my bike one time, and I was like, Haha, check me out, you know? She's over there running that distance. I, I can't even imagine. There are, there are people who, like, run, like, marathons through Death Valley and stuff. Like, I, I like to run, but I don't like to run <laughs> like that, you know? I, I, what do you think of? I'm like, oh, shit, I got to get out of Death Valley. That's the only thing I can imagine <laughs> that you're just going through your mind. All right, let's move on to the 23rd. All right. 23rd. August 23rd, 1975. Yes. Uh, free guitarist Paul Kosoft is revived because he had died of a heart attack. So who's who's free? Like what band is free? free? You know the band Free. Do I? All right now. That's free? Baby. I thought that was Bad yeah. Company. Isn't that Bad Company? Well, sort of. The band Free. It's kind of like Deep Purple with Rainbow. Yeah. There was the band Free, and then they broke up. I guess they didn't like the fact that Paul Kosoff was having heart attacks and such because they, they started another band called Bad Company. Oh. They must have thought that Paul Kosoff was Bad Company. <laughs> so they started another band without him. Oh, I, I but, yeah. always thought that All Right Now was by Bad Company, and it's so Paul Rogers was the singer for Free. So that must be why. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Wow. Know what this reminds me of? You and I, you and I, I, I had this up. like I I really like this band called World Party, and I would bring up World Party to Jeff every once in a while, and he'd be like, "I hate, I hate that World band. Party. They suck. Oh my yeah. god, I hate that band. They suck so bad." I'm over his, I'm over at, at at your house, and I brought up the song "Ship of Fools." Yep. And um, I gave you a look like, like I have no idea what song you're talking about. Yeah, and I'm like, "Yeah, that's World Party, <laughs> Ship of Fools," and I played the song for you, and you're like. Oh yeah, I like so, this. I, like, I know this. Wait, song. wait. It, it's 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 a little bit funnier than that actually, because you kept looking at me from my couch, holding my PlayStation controller, um, with the song playing on, and you're looking at me sideways, and you go, "You don't like this. You don't like this song." <laughs> <laughs> and you did that with like six songs. <laughs> yeah, I, I played at least I played at least three or four songs for you. Yeah, I played uh, that one. I played. Oh, it was um, so funny. Put the message in the box. Yeah. There was like another song. I was like. I was surprised because I didn't know World Party did. I was like, oh, wait, they did this song too? And they were all great songs. Yeah. And then you're like, huh. You're like, no, I, <laughs> I hate that band, but I like all these songs. I'm like, how can you hate this band? And it turns well, out yep, I... that the, you were like, you know what? No, it's that other song that they have, Sowing the Seeds of Love. And I'm like, that's not even World Party, you tit. <laughs> that's Tears for Fear. So uh, it was funny. That was a really weird, funny, eye-opening experience for me in that I had carried along this hatred for a band for like, like 30 years. Like 20 years, you and, yeah. 20 and years, 20 years and I hated this band. Every time they, they came up, I was like, that band sucks. I hate them. And I had no <laughs> idea who they were, not, not what any of their songs were. And it was all just reflected anger that I should have had in Tears for Fears. I still don't like Tears for Fears, but World Party is okay. And I, I'd like to apologize to the world for, for, for that sowing the seeds of hatred. That for them. Uh, so that wraps up the show proper. Let's move on to the celebrity birthdays. All right. Again, with apologies to World Party. So sorry about that. <laughs> August 17th, 1960, Sean Penn. Kind of got to start as 
far as I can remember, I don't know that he did anything before Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I think that was one of his first, yeah. And then completely played against type in absolutely everything else he's ever done. So didn't didn't we uh, uncover that his birthday is only one day away from Madonna's birthday? Yeah, Madonna's birthday is August 16th, and then his birthday is August 17th. So yeah, that must have been a, a party over at that house. I, I wonder if they celebrated together when they were making Shanghai Surprise. Quite the opposite of Madonna movies. Just about every movie with this person in it is excellent. August 18th, 1969, Edward Norton. Ah, yes. Love he was him. born in Boston, Massachusetts. I did not know that. I didn't know that either. That's great. Yep. So yep. Uh, do you have a favorite Edward Norton movie? Death to Smoochie. Death to Smoochie is a lot of fun. Death to Smoochie is such an odd movie. Yep. Another one, he's like Sean Penn, where he never really plays like the same kind of character. It's always something so dramatically different because... Before Death of Smoochie, he did American History X, where he was this like killer Nazi dude. And then Death of Smoochie, he's this like children's television host. The guy's phenomenal. Yeah, he's he's all over the place. I he's one of he's was my favorite of the of the the standalone Hulk film characters Mm -hmm. as Doctor Banner. And uh, yeah, I I don't remember ever seeing him in anything that I haven't really really liked. I always look forward to to seeing him in a role. So Edward Norton. August 19th, this is super close to my heart, 1851, okay. Charles E. Hires, a, uh, a pharmacist, not surprisingly, an inventor of root beer, Hires root beer beverage. He was born in Pennsylvania, and uh, Hires root beer can be purchased today. I think it's probably just a brand name now, I think owned by PepsiCo. Guy who made the first root beer, that's the guy. That's so interesting. Like, all those original sodas were all, like, discovered by pharmacists. By pharmacists, yeah. Yep. Uh, Dr. Pepper was like that. Coca-Cola was like that too. All right. So on the 20th, all right, check this out. Cause my, my teeth and tongue are not made to say this guy's name. So August 20th, 1779, Fabian Gottlieb von Bellinghausen. That's his name. Try writing that on a postcard. Right. Yeah, he is the Russian explorer who discovered the continent of Antarctica. That must have been something. Yeah, like, oh, here hey. we are in the middle of the Southern Ocean. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's this whole, like, giant continent of ice and penguins. Now, imagine old Fabian just tossing over in his grave every time some ding-dong flat-earther describes the edge of the world like it is in the, the Game of Thrones. Right. It's not a continent. It's a freaking ice wall. It's like, listen, actually, an, an ex-girlfriend of mine, a guy that she dated after me, spent six months in Antarctica. A long way to go to get away from one of your ex-girlfriends, Bill. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think he's trying to tell you something, honey. <laughs> Look, I'm going to take my chances with the Emperor Penguins. Good luck. <laughs> Geographic way of ghosting someone with uh, an excuse. <laughs> All right. Moving on. August 21st, 1967. Carrie Ann Moss, the uh, the star of The Matrix, The Matrix Reloaded, Matrix yep. Takeout 3, Matrix <laughs> Return of the Brother, Legend Continues, whatever the third one was called. Yeah, That's I her. was never really on board with those, but I really liked Memento, and she's in that too. So, happy birthday. I, I only remember Memento just after I watch it. Huh. I got the tattoo that Carrie Ann Moss is in it. So, August 22nd. 1920 science fiction writer Ray Bradbury. That's a little birthday present for you. Yeah, you like that. He's one of my all-time favorites. Uh, He can do more with 2,000 words than other writers can do in 200,000 words and multiple books connected together by plot threads and characters. Drop a Ray Bradbury book on uh, Stephen King's porch, just like hint, hint, nudge, nudge. (laughs) King writes pretty good short stories, too. He just, it's not as, it's like field. But yeah. Bradbury, Bradbury's interesting in that, you know, he's a golden age sci-fi writer, right? And the markets that he was writing for were short story markets like Argosy Magazine and and 
and analog and some others but he also sold a bunch of stuff to television some of his his stories were produced as i'm not sure if he did twilight zone episodes or outer limits but there were a couple of those that were produced there were certainly some that were produced as part of alfred hitchcock presents and and later stuff some films produced based on his writing he 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 didn't just write short stories he also wrote screenplays so he wrote the screenplay to the 1951 version of moby dick that directed by john houston probably one oh, of yeah. my favorite movies just brought that up yep so uh amazing guy all right so let's wrap it up on the 23rd uh we're both champing at the bit on this one whose birthday is august 23rd 1946 the most momentous day in 1946 or of august 23rds uh keith moon the rock drummer for the who greatest rock drummer in the history of rock drummers i uh i give lectures on uh you know how to do haunted house acting and stuff like that and i actually use a keith moon quote in my lecture, you know, trying to tell people that don't worry about how other people are, just be the best you can, you know. And Keith Moon said, and I love this quote, Keith Moon, with all the bravado of, of he could, said, I am the best Keith Moon style drummer in the world. <laughs> yes, there you go. Yes, and he definitely is the best Keith Moon style drummer in the world. Yep. It certainly uh, sort of became the stereotype or almost the caricature of the rock and roller who smashed up hotel rooms and drove cars into pools. and Not just a car, Rolls Royce. Rolls Royce and and all this other sort of insanity. Mm -hmm. Animal from The Muppet Show is based on Keith Moon. Like if you want to hear like, you know, just a quick sample of how fantastic of a drummer he is, go to the last part of the, the song Cobwebs and Strange from the album A Quick One While He's Away and you'll hear the most awesome drum and guitar battle between him and, and Pete. He loved to sing, but he sang really bad. So they would always let him record and then they would just take his vocals right out of the mix. <laughs> that makes sense. Yep. All right. So now it is time <clears throat> for The Worst Song Ever. What do we have for the worst song ever this week? Mr. McLarge, huge. Uh, this week we go to number one. The number one song in the USA in 2001 was Bootylicious by Destiny's Child. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I don't have a lot of experience with this song because I wasn't even sure what it was until I heard it. Because there's nothing to it. It's, there's there's definitely not a lot to it. There's the guitar riff, which is sort of taken directly from a Stevie Nicks song, and that underpins the whole song. Yeah, the song starts so. off with that muted guitar, that... And it starts off like that. I'm like, oh, it's going to be Edge of 17 by Stevie Nicks. And then the, you know, the drum beat comes in. I'm like, oh, no. You really don't hear that. That song didn't really... Like a lot of hit music, sometimes it carries over. You hear it again and again and again. But like that song, it, that's it kind of faded out into obscurity. I don't know. At, at the time that that song would have been popular, two thousand one, I was I wasn't listening to pop music at all. Uh-huh. I only know this song from hearing it at uh, roller rinks uh-huh. uh, just in the last few years because there's it has a skatable it has a skatable beat, which yeah. it sounds insane, but it gets played in a lot of the places that I that I like to go and skate and it's it's a, it's certainly a, the song's catchy yeah there's not much there's not much to the lyrics yeah I, I, and like I'm a lyric guy the, it just keeps saying over and over I don't think you're ready for this jelly and that's a thing is like like I said being a lyric guy uh, whenever I was in bands I was the guy that wrote the lyrics here's like a song that's a great example that if like I showed up I mean, obviously it's very dynamic because I'm a boy but if I showed up to um to band practice with like a lyric sheet and it's like, all right, guys, I got this new song. And they're like, all right, what's it about? How thick my ass is. 
they'd be like, all right, you need to like leave and never come back. And like that song uh, moves like Jagger. Imagine that guy showing up for band practice one day. It's like, dude, I got this song, right? It's about how sexy I dance. It's like, all right, you got to go. You got to go. Uh, I was looking through the lyrics in, in advance of this of this segment and listening to the song. Actually, I, I it's the when I realized what song it was, I was like, oh, I know this, you know, from skating. And uh, I had no idea that it repeated, I don't think you're ready for this jelly, approximately 43,000 times. <laughs> so there's a line in the very beginning of the song, which I had to go and look up because it turns out the lyric is... Because I couldn't believe my um, own ears. No, I, it's not that. It's that I thought it was something else. Okay. And now I'm going to ruin this song for everybody who listens to this because now they're never going to be able to hear anything but this when they hear this song. Oh. But the actual lyric is, DJ Gemini spotted me, attentive thang. That doesn't sound like very much lyrics, but in my mind, I heard DJ Gemini, Spider-Man, attentive me. <laughs> and I heard Spider-Man and I was like... There's Spider-Man in this song. When I skate around and I hear this, I hear Spider-Man. When I'm drinking a soda, sometimes a Hires root beer <laughs> at the rink, and I hear this song, I think Spider-Man. And it's not Spider-Man, Bill. <laughs> but everyone else is going to hear Spider-Man now, I, just like I do. My my experience with this song is um, whenever I would be, whenever I, I, uh, I worked, well, I mean, I still work, but I worked with a different set of people, and we had a lot more people in the shop. You know, Bluetooth headphones weren't really a thing, so we had just like one communal radio and they would play the local hit music radio station, which you may as well just stab me in the eardrums because I, that, that's it's not for me. So anyway, Bootylicious would come on every once in a while. And I worked with this one guy that I, I think the best way to describe him would be if it was hip and cool to walk around with a broomstick wedged up your ass, he would have two or three. So that song would come on. I would just like look at him and I was like, do you do you like this song? And he'd be like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm game. Why? What, <laughs> what is what it is about? It? What, is it? what song do you think? What is it about? I don't know. I, don't, I, I honestly don't and never have really gotten pop music. I know you do, but I, yeah, but I, I don't. Yeah, I like it. I like, I, I, like, I like the beat that it has. I don't love that it samples that Stevie Nicks song and plays it all the way through. But there's a time in like popular music and, and coming into hip hop where, where the guy's like, you know, uh, Sean Puffy Combs, Puff Daddy, would take an existing song, use 90% of it, including sometimes the bridges and the hooks of the song, and then build lyrics around it. And this song is sort of like that. If you know that Stevie Nicks song with the chicka 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 you kind of know this song already. Your brain already goes like, oh, I know, I know this song. Yeah. It's Stevie Nicks, but it's not. It's something else. So you're already sort of halfway in the door, the same way that, that Sean Puffy Combs did with the Led Zeppelin song that was in Godzilla. Oh, right. It was like the entire song, yeah. So there's like this this reuse pattern that kind of gets used, and it, it sort of softens the softens the brain so that the rest of the, the song can be... And I'm totally cool with that. I don't have a problem with that at all as a practice, I think. Great art is always is always something you borrow. <clears throat> um, and, I, and again, I like pop music and I like disco, so Destiny's Child is definitely one of those bands that's able to... Or was one of those bands that was able to sort of carry that girl vocal group forward even when... And, and make something out of it where others weren't able to. So, like, if you think of, like, the Spice Girls, for example, they were the same sort of style of band. They've lasted for a record and a half or two Right, and, and Vogue was another and one, others, too. And Vogue and, like, TLC and some others who, who, who couldn't really stand the test of time the way that Destiny's Child has. Like, the three, the three girls in Destiny's Child, Beyonce and Kelly Rowland and Michelle Williams, have all gone off to considerable careers 
uh, on their own as well. Yeah, Beyonce so, had the best video of all time. Of all time! So again, I, it, it, it may be the worst song of the week, but it, it's it's one that I it's one that I smile when I hear. Oh, I smile ear to ear when I hear it because I think it's for completely ridiculous and goofy. <laughs> I, I I have to pre- pre- prevent myself from sort of skate dancing around when I hear it. So. I st- I stand I stand by worst song ever. On the- <laughs> I, again, there's nothing wrong with liking the worst song ever. Oh. So. Oh right. yeah, wait wait till we get to the shags. <laughs> I love the shags. All right, but that is going to wrap up our show for this week. We'll see you guys next week. Have a great week, everybody. Say goodnight, Jeff. Goodnight, Jeff. Bye, Bye, everybody. Have a great week. Special thanks to James Costa for our theme music. Find us or message us on Facebook and Instagram at Twibbly or T-W-W-W-B-L-Y. Subscribe if you haven't already and tell your friends. They probably need a cool podcast to listen to as well. And if you don't like this week's episode, there'll be one next week. It'll probably be better. <laughs>